study and from this message, Lord, that we might hide these things in our hearts, that we might gain wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and most of all, application of the principles contained herein to our lives, that we may carry forth truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, let's start with paragraph 636.1. Now, we had already covered some of this chapter, so we're kind of in the middle of the chapter. Um, but um, it's talking about the Health Institute and um, the relationship of the members and the church to the Health Institute. And so she starts out this paragraph talking about uh, the fact that she's shown that that there's no lack of money among Sabbath-keeping Adventists. But she said that their greatest danger was not basically lack of money to contribute to the Health Institute, but basically that their greatest danger is an accumulating property. Um, and we all know that this earth is not our home, that we are just, we are just travelers through. And, but, but, but... <laughs> Our danger is we want to accumulate stuff as if we're going to be here forever, as if we're going to, we need to hold on to stuff and, 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 and keep it. And so she said, some are continually increasing their cares and labors and they are overcharged. Anybody want to give a definition of what overcharged means or you understand what overcharged means? Patsy, you're our school teacher. Well, if you overcharge, and I'm thinking in terms of, uh, I guess an example would be if I bought something and I only paid, let's say I paid a dollar for it, but I want you to give me $5 for it. So I'm tripling and, and getting a profit that it, you know, take really taking advantage of you by overcharging you, knowing that, and you know, some people do that stuff is given to them free and then they go sell it to the next, you know, per person that is in need of it. So, you know, when you're overcharging, you have to be careful that, you know, that if, you know, if God came to you, just like the, uh, the man with the talent, he had his one talent. Well, what would happen if he, had ha if he had had that one talent and sold it? He probably would have sold it for twice the amount, just being greedy. <laughs> That's interesting. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Patsy, you have any idea of what that means in this spiritual sense? In the spiritual sense, I think in terms of we we always asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And if we are doing God's will, God is going to make sure we have more than what we need. Because him and the Holy Spirit is going to be with us. So where it says some are continually increasing their cares and labor. They are overcharged, but God has responsibilities and commands for us to do, and he's never going to give us uh, more than we can handle, but we have to be willing to open up our hearts and, and stretch out and be witnesses wherever God sends us. And like I said, God is going to fill us even more as we do his will. Mm. I think about it like this. I think about, like, for instance, let's just say, you're a kid in a in a in a toy store at Christmas time, and your parents tell you, you or or one of those game shows, and they tell you whatever you can grab in one minute, you can have. 
or whatever you can grab and put in your basket in one minute. That's what you can have. And so you're frantically running through the store, grabbing whatever you can. And and supermarket sweet. Yeah. <laughs> supermarket sweet. <laughs> and you grab so much stuff that you can't really even drag it to the finish line. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're just you're just grabbing, but you can't you can't even get what you grabbed to the finish line. Let's just say, let's just say they gave you something that didn't have wheels on it. Cause let's just say that, you know, a, a basket it has wheels on it. And so it's easier. Let's just say they gave you a big bag, you know, and they just said, okay, put everything you want in this and get it out that door to that door within a minute. And so you grabbed everything, your heart's desire, but then it was so heavy, you couldn't make it to that door before the buzzer went off. But your eyes, your, but your eyes and your desires basically were bigger than your ability to carry that weight. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And so I think sometimes we as Christians, we want so much stuff, and God never told us to get all that stuff. We don't, we we don't need all that stuff, you know. But we want it, you know. Like we want, we want the big old house that that the bank will let us get, just because we have the, you know, we have the job that pays enough that it, that the bank will approve it, you know. And and then. Because God knows the future and he knows, oh, you know, he's going to allow the enemy to touch our health and then we're not going to be working. And then what's going to happen to that exorbitant mortgage? You know what I mean? Those are things that sometimes we and then we've went out and bought, you know, a brand new expensive car that a car with a car note that's almost a thousand dollars a month, you know, and we have done that ourselves. And so. We have just increased our cares. We've increased our labors. And then, you know, we, we don't know the future. We don't know. For instance, let's say you're a two-family house, a two-income household, and then the Lord touches one of you and takes one of you. And now you're stuck with this, all these bills of a two-income household. Now what you're going to do? You know what I mean? And so I think sometimes we bite off more than we can chew not knowing the future and sometimes even even um uh, even if nothing even if the lord doesn't allow anything drastic or catastrophic or crisis to hit us um we bite off more than we can chew and then it says the result is that god and the wants of his cause are nearly forgotten by them because they are spiritually dead so that's that's telling me that that his house is neglected you know, they're not perhaps not returning a faithful tithe and offering, but everything in their house is big and marvelous and wonderful. What are you going to say, Patsy? I know um, they uh, the Alton Church started their 10 days of prayer mm -hmm. and they talked about the dangers of being busy, uh, being busy for uh, God. And it, they kind of brought out what you were saying. We're so busy. Uh, doing even in the house of the Lord, we're so busy doing stuff that we miss the communion with Christ. We miss what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us 
because we've got so much piled on to us. And then, you know, in the house of the Lord, we want to be in charge of everything and we want to be on every committee. Well, sometimes God just wants that individual time to slow us down, to concentrate on his mission, on what he's asked us to do. But we're so busy, you know, saying, I got to get this done, I got to do this, and got to do that, that we miss the point. And like you said, we're so overwhelmed that we don't have time to enjoy God for who he is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, this also, this paragraph says also that we are required to make a sacrifice to God, an offering, and that a sacrifice does not increase, but it decreases and and is consumed. So that's a very crucial distinction. A sacrifice is consumed. It doesn't increase. So when she's talking about the, the health institute in the next in the next paragraph, what they were doing with the health institute is they were basically they were offering stock in the health institute. And we know that just from, you know, even if you've never bought stock or 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 um, had dealings with the stock market that the whole premise of it is to hold the principle and have a have a gain on the principle gain on your investment that that that's the ideal situation is to gain on your investment and so um she's saying that you know if the principle uh if if the if the idea is to gain on the principle then she says, where is the decrease or the consuming sacrifice? In other words, the principle should be consumed when there's a sacrifice. But if you're gain, if, if you're if you're holding stock and the whole point of it is to increase, then that's not a sacrifice. And so she said that basically, you know. Their dangers are only increased. Those that that if if the whole danger in accumulating property is an increase, or well, if the whole danger is accumulating property, how is holding stock in the health institute helping? Since it's only increasing their dangers of of accumulating wealth on this earth. And then she said, "This is an additional excuse for their covetousness." So, um, and she said that that basically the Health Institute was holding out the idea of holding stock and a gain as an incentive for people to invest in the Health Institute. And that should not be the mo- that should not be the motivating factor. The motivating factor should be helping your brethren in need, and that you are contributing to those in need, not that. You hope for a gain and you hope to line your pockets with the gain off of the people that can't afford it otherwise. Any comments on that? So if you have an ulterior motive, if you know that you're going to get a benefit from something, that's not a sacrifice because your agenda is just to uh, gain interest on, on your investment. Right. Right. Now, I'm not going to say that 
investing in the stock market is an evil. I'm not going to say that. That's not what this says. But for the purposes of the Health Institute, which is to help, and, and for the purposes of this particular situation, the, the situation was to help the brethren that could not afford um, the, the appropriate health care and help the poor. So in this circumstance, in this instant, it was not a sacrificial spirit going on when they were investing in stock in the Institute. Now, every instance, every instance of holding stock, you don't, that's not the motive because there's, there would be nothing wrong with holding stock in other institutions that have nothing to do with helping the poor, you know? And so I don't think that's what she's saying, that you should never hold stock or anything like that. Um, but in this particular instance, because the whole point in raising money was to help the poor, then yes, it was a problem because that you did not have a sacrificial spirit. And you know, Sister Karen, I think a good example, and you know, I forget, I think I was talking, I, I was listening to uh, some Adventists talk about the gentleman called Kellogg. And I didn't realize that at one time he was a seven-day Adventist, and they said as he moved up in the world, he, he, he gave up on it, and he just started worrying about, you know, getting more money. And, and, you know, and there was so much Kellogg could have offered for the health message. And that I guess, you know, money, the more money he got, the greedier he got, and he started worrying about, you know, how much money can I make off this cereal and all the other stuff he was involved in. So I think that might be a good example here that instead of him using his wealth and his gain to help the needy, he started being just greedy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paula, you had your hand up. Uh, same thing. Pastor is pretty much saying it. You may start off with good intentions, but it, it sounds like what she was writing, it was a warning because God knows your heart. So he knows if you have a hidden agenda or even like she was saying with Kellogg's um, uh, example, may have started off, you know, uh, for a worthy cause. But when he found out that, hey, I can get paid on this, you know, it, it he actually left the truth for that, pursuing money. But it it's a warning that God, regardless if, Watch your intent, because God knows your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, she says down here in paragraph 636-2, God requires of these ones that uh, uh, that basically are very covetous and looking to gain off of the poor. She says um, she requires of these close covetous worldly persons a sacrifice for suffering humanity. He calls on them to let their worldly possessions decrease for the sake of the afflicted ones who believe in Jesus and the present truth. And they should have a chance to act in full view of the decisions of the final judgment as described in the following burning words of the King of Kings. And uh, I want somebody to read that for me. This is Matthew 25, 34 through 46. Somebody read that for me. Anybody have it? I'm sorry, my I'm cooking. You said Matthew's 25? Uh-huh, 34 through okay. 40. 
34 through 35. Is that what you said? 34 through 46. Okay. Um, I have King James Version. Okay. And it says, Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, and ye be blessed in my, by uh, my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Verse 35, For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Verse 36, Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came into me. 37, Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw thee that that and when saw we thee hungered and fed thee or thirst and gave thee drink verse 38 when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee verse 39 or 39 or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came into thee and verse 40 and the king shall answer and say unto them verily I say unto you Inasmuch as you have done it to one of the least of these brethren, you have done it unto me. And then verse 41, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, you are cursed, and to everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 42, for I was hungry and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. 43, I was a stranger, and you took me not in naked, and you clothed me not sick and in prison, and you visit me not. In verse 44, then shall he also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered or thirst or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did, minister, and did not minister unto thee? Verse 45, then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. You want me to do 46? Yes, go ahead. Okay. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Okay. So what does that say to you in light of what we're studying about as far as the... um? the health institute and the and the spirit of sacrifice that God is looking for from us. I agree with Sister Paula when she says the intent. God didn't save the ones that was righteous uh didn't di didn't have trials and tribulations, but they they gave what they had. They fed someone, they clothed someone. And God is saying if your heart is in the right place you will share what you have. You may not have, like you said, Sister Karen, the big house and all that, but you're willing to share and to show the love of God. But, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're worried about, I'm going to put stock in here, and I'm, go, I'm not worried about the people getting sick. I can just make money off of them. Then your heart is in the wrong place, and God has let you know, I have a place for you with the, with the evil angels and Satan. Hmm. What about the people who say, Lord, when you give me that four bedroom house, then I'll have some people come and stay. Or Lord, when you give me that new car I've been asking you for, then I'll pick somebody up for church. Well, he said, if you have, if you can't be trusted with smaller things, you're not going to be blessed with more things, bigger things. 
That's absolutely right. Thank you, Alvina. Welcome, Alvina. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's absolutely right. So God is looking for a spirit of sacrifice from us. He, in other words, he's looking for us to share what we do have. He's looking for us to act on the things, with the things he's already blessed us with. You know, everybody has something. Unless you're deceased, everybody has something. You know, and 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 so, you know, even if it's just a kind word or a smile, if that's all you have, you know what I mean? Then you can do that. If you're living in a box under a bridge, you have a kind word and a smile that you can offer to somebody. But thank God, most of us are not living in a box under a bridge. And so we have more than that to offer to somebody. And so we're without excuse when it comes to being able to offer somebody something. I thought about the ministry of smiles. And I thought about the fact that, you know, as we go about our daily, uh, you know, business or whatever we do during the day. There is nothing stopping any of us from being a part of the ministry of smiles. You don't know whose day you will brighten just by wearing a smile on your face. Amen, sister. And so I want us as a class to just try that and just start doing that. Just smiling at people as you're going in and out of the grocery store or Walmart or wherever you are on your job, just start smiling at people. You never know who's having a rough day, who's having a hard day, or who's, you know, something going on at home or whatever the case may be, and just start smiling. Even if you don't even say hello, just smile. Everybody has something to offer. And even when you don't have, even when you're having a hard day, um, there was a man that says your attitude determines your altitude. And so your attitude can pull you up out of a hard day. And so do it for others, but also for yourself. When Even when you're having a hard day. All right. Um, and then let's go on down to paragraph 638.1, where she says, um, and she's, she's, um, mentioning, uh, testimonies volume 11. And she says that there's a liberal supply of means among our people. In other words, God has blessed the seventh day Adventist church. And she says, and if all felt the importance of the work, this great enterprise could be carried forward without embarrassment. And all should feel a special interest in sustaining it. And especially should those who have means invest in this enterprise. She said a suitable home should be fitted up for the reception of invalids that they may, by the use of proper means and the blessing of God, be relieved of their infirmities and learn how to take care of themselves and thus prevent sickness. And let me ask a question. Because, of course, she was writing back in her day when the, the Health Institute was really just forming, really, and just coming into being. We have Adventist hospitals throughout the South. I think not so much in the North, but throughout the South. 
Um, but how many of you have ever contributed to one of the Adventist hospitals? Has it ever even been anything you even thought about? Okay, well, uh, I guess when you say contribute, I guess the the thing that I do, they send surveys, and they say, you know, through their research and through the answering on the surveys, it helps them to further, you know, I guess further the cause. And so I always send back Loma Linton in California. They always make sure I get their survey sent back. Okay. Okay. I'm talking about now monetary contributions. Has anybody ever thought about a monetary contribution to some of our Adventist inst health institutes? Because that's what she's talking about here now. She's talking about um, monetary, sacrificial monetary contributions to our Adventist health institutes. And I'll be honest, I've never really thought about that. You know? I've I didn't even know we had them in the South until you said something. The only mm -hmm. one I ever, ever knew, knew about was the one out in California. Yeah, like if you go to Atlanta, you'll see the, the, the uh, Adventist uh, hospitals down there, definitely. But I mean, um, we could look them up and see where they, where they all are, you know, a list of them. But um, yeah, they are prevalent throughout, at least I know of them in the South. Um. But, you know, that's what she's talking about. And he, like I said, even though she was writing in her time, which was, you know, in the 1800s, early 1900s, um, they still exist to this day. And I'm sure they are still in need of, of you know, contributions. Um, they may be more, they may be more stable now because, of course, it's been, more than a hundred years since they were, some of them were first established. But um, that doesn't mean that they don't have people coming in that need their services that can't afford it and don't have insurances. I mean, now a lot of people do have insurances, but I'm sure there are people who are out of work and we know a lot of people lost their jobs behind COVID don't have insurance. A lot of the poor don't have insurance, you know? Um, and so it's something that we might want to look into um, because even if you, even if you say, okay, I'm going to send $5 a month, $10 a month to, to one of the, one of the um, Adventist health institutes, that is something that we, we need to consider. Um, and um, she says that um, many who profess the truth are growing close and covetous. They need to be alarmed for themselves. They have so much of their treasure upon the earth that their hearts are on their treasure. Much of the larger share of their treasure is in this world and little of it is in heaven. Now, let me ask the question. What does it mean to store up treasure in heaven? How do you understand that verse? I mean, we're not in heaven now. How 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 do we store up treasure in heaven? By uh, witnessing to people, you know, blessing and witnessing to folks in Jesus' name. Okay. okay. Anybody else? Just bearing good fruit. Okay. And I think so too. On uh, as we study 
when we when we and the treasure and I don't think in terms of money, I think in terms of faithfulness and 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 keeping the word of God put forth that as others come to us and as we meet, like you said, we can smile, we can give them a word of encouragement, we can show them what thus said the Lord, we can, you know, pray with them, pray for them. And I think that's where, you know, we can't always think in terms of money, but sometimes uh, knowing God and like you said, just giving somebody, making yourself a blessing for somebody that day, whether you, you know, you say a kind word to them, that's where the treasure lies that they can see God through you, through the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I tend to think of laying up treasure in heaven as laying up souls in heaven, winning souls for the kingdom. <clears throat> and, you know, everyone that goes to heaven, that makes it to heaven, is going to have to take at least one person with them. Because you have to have at least one star in your crown to be there. And so, you know, all this stuff of, of you know, you hear about celebrities, some celebrities, and they want to be buried with their big old fine cars or all their jewelry or all this or all that, you know, which is no different than like, you know, the time of the pharaohs and they buried them with a lot of their wealth and, and this, and sometimes they even kill their, servants so that uh, the theory was that they would be there to serve them on the other side you know but we know all of that is a, is is not true but um, laying up treasure in heaven to me is because the only thing you're going to take with you is, is your character and those that you may have helped to get there All right. Um, She says, now is a good opportunity for us to use our means for the benefit of suffering humanity and also for the advancement of the truth. This enterprise should never be left to struggle in poverty. And it says, the stewards to to whom God has entrusted means should should now come up to the work and use their means to his glory. To those who through covetousness withhold their means, it will prove a curse to them rather than a blessing. And then let's see. And she said that when raising funds for this branch of the work, it should be a matter of liberality, just like for other branches of the work. So basically, and you know, it's funny because I've never heard a call from the pulpit to raise money for the health institute. I've never heard. Me either. Me either. Um, But that's why we're studying this. (laughs) That's why we were studying, you know, uh, testimonies for the church, because we will be reading some things that, that we've not heard because we've not studied it. But you know, Karen, I think, if we, like you said, if we're studying and we knew a list of those hospitals, like you said, you know, most people, you know, will have to Google it in because, like I said, when you said there was one in Atlanta, and I was like, I didn't even know, you know, there was any, like I said, the only one I only knew was, but I said, you know, when you Google it in, I'm sure that, like you said, any of them that you know that, 
you know, do you contact? I'm sure they'll have a phone number for us to contact. And, you know, we, and if they, you know, if, you know, if the, you know, you say, hey, I'd like to donate maybe a little each month, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like you said, I'm sure they'll, they'll welcome it, but it'd be nice for us to, you know, to have somebody to bring that up, even during stewardship time, to let us mm-hmm. know, you know, we have hospitals that are mm-hmm. functioning now. Right. And like I know, um, Florida Hospital is an Adventist Institute. So, yeah, um, we'll try. I'll try to look up a list of them and, and, and so that we will know. And um, we can make a decision through prayer of what we would be able to contribute on a monthly basis. Um, and it says many who have stopped are not able to donate it. And some of these persons are suffering for the very money which they have invested in stock. So basically there have been, there were people that were investing in the health Institute, but then they could not even, they did not even have the money to be patients when needed, when they needed treatment in the health Institute. And so she said, it traveled from state to state. She found those afflicted on the very verge of the grave who should go into the Institute for the time, but for a little while, but she said they could not for lack of money. And that they, they, they had invested in the stock. And she said, she said they should not have any money invested there. And she, she mentioned one case in Vermont. She says as early as 1850, this man had become a Sabbath keeper and from that date, he had contributed liberally to the several enterprises that had been undertaken to advance the cause until he had become reduced to poverty. And yet, when the urgent unqualified call came for the Institute, he took stock to the amount of $100. And uh, then he introduced the case of his wife, who was very feeble and who could be helped, but she had to be helped very soon. And he stated that if he could command the $100 back, from the institute, he could send his wife there to be treated. But as it was, he could not get the money back from the institute. And they replied that he never should have invested any money in the institute and that there was a wrong in this matter that they could not help. And there the matter dropped. And she says she did not hesitate to say that this sister should be treated a few weeks at least at the institute free of charge. And she said her husband is able to do little more than pay her fare to Battle Creek, to and from Battle Creek. So, you know, she was she was against at least particularly poor people investing money in stock on the promise that they would receive a, a, a good rate of return from the Institute because, you know, I, evidently this, it was difficult for the stock to be resold. She said she had $500 stock in the Institute, which she wished to donate. And she said if her husband succeeds with his anticipated book, he will get $500 more, um, I guess, as a donation to those who could not afford treatment. And then she said, when that's done, then let the donations come in as needed and let the sum small and large come in. And that means the expense that the money that's coming in be expended judiciously 
and let charges for patients be as reasonable as possible. In other words, don't let it be that they are seeking necessarily profit, but at least just, you know, the Institute pay for itself and not go into debt. And she said, let brethren donate to partly pay the expenses of the Institute of the suffering and the worthy poor among them. And let the feeble ones be led out as they can bear it to cultivate the beautifully situated acres owned by the Institute. So basically, let the ones who are there who cannot pay their way do what they can to tend the grounds around the Institute. And she said, with the, let them not do this with the narrow idea of pay, but with the liberal idea that the expense of the purchase of them was a matter of benevolence for their good. And let the labor on their part be, be part of their prescription for, for health as much as the taking of baths um, be part of, in other words, um, you know, we know about the new start program, get them out there in the sunshine, get them out there doing whatever labor they are able to do to, 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 to start them back on the road to better health. And basically, um, it says, let benevolence, charity, humanity, sacrifice for others' good be the ruling idea with the physicians, the managers, the helpers, the patients, and with all the friends of Jesus far and near. Instead of wages, good investment, a paying thing, stock that will pay. In other words, take your, take your minds off of, off of getting rich, off the Institute, getting rich off the patients of the Institute, and instead, um, you know, let it be that you are helping others and that it's because of your love for souls and your love for Christ and your sympathy for suffering humanity. Any comments on that? Okay. And then she specifically talks about the physicians. She says, why should they expect more pay than let's say, uh, someone working in another branch of, of service to the Lord, for instance, the Christian editor or the Christian minister. Because often we look at the physicians and say, okay, you know, we expect them to be paid more. We expect them to, to, to um, make a better living than other people. But she's saying, why? She says, uh, why should the Christian physician who is believing, expecting, looking, waiting, and longing for the coming of the kingdom of Christ, when sickness and death will no longer have any power over this saint, expect more pay for his services than the Christian editor or the Christian minister? So she's saying basically just equal out the equal out the um, pay because he should be doing it for the good of humanity and not not to gain wealth. And she said he may say that his work is more wearing, but that 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 hasn't been proved. And um, so she said, "It's no, there are no good reasons why he should overwork and receive large pay for it more than the minister or the editor. So he shouldn't be overworking. He shouldn't be, you know, working around the clock or anything like that. Because yeah, I mean, if you're working around the clock, yeah, I guess you should receive more pay than somebody who's not working around the clock." But she says, um, 
No one should be suffered to remain as a helper in the Institute who does it simply for pay. And so basically she's saying anybody that's working in the Institute should be doing it because they love Christ, because they love humanity, and because they're, they're doing it out of a genuine love for both. Any comments on that? Well, you know, I shared something with Sister Melinda Cooper at Northside. And, you know, on Saturdays, we I mean, on Sundays, we rent our church out to another church. And she was saying, you know, and I guess I couldn't get the concept that our members that, you know, need to be at the church or, you know, one person or I don't know about opening doors and stuff. They're, they they want to get paid. And I told her, I said, but wouldn't that be like God telling us to reach out, you know, because you never know, with, with, even though they're written our building, that God, the Holy Spirit may touch some of their hearts that they want to, you know, get, study the Bible more and in, de- in, in depth to get to understand why we are doing going to church on God's day. And I said, why would somebody want to get paid? And, you know, me and her, we had a long discussion. I said, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I think, you know, in terms of this concept with, you know, uh, with the Health Institute, it's the same principle. You know, you're, you, you put the, you're investing in it because you want to get monetary money. And what are you going to do with that money? Are you going to return it to help someone that's going to be in need? But what she's saying is these people back then were more concerned with filling their pockets. And, you know, and I see the same concept. You don't want to open the church, not unless you get paid for, you know, for others that's coming in, rather they're, you know, since they need to rent the church. And I just don't understand that concept, because if you're doing it from the from the goodness of your heart, God may, like I said, God may turn some of them people into getting into the word a little deeper and getting an understanding of what God's real Sabbath means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and basically anybody that's serving the Lord should be serving him out of love for him, not out of love for a title, not out of love for uh, wanting control. I mean, there's so many reasons why people want the positions that they want in the church, you know? Um, But yeah, you're right, Patsy. You're right on that point. Um, Let's see. Then she talks about um, there are people who need to spend um, weeks or months at the Institute who are not able to pay entire expense of the journey and she said shall poverty keep these friends of our lord from the blessings which he has so bountifully provided shall they be left to struggle on with double the burden of feebleness and poverty she says the wealthy feeble ones who have all the comforts and conveniences of life and are able to hire their hard work done made with care and rest by informing themselves and taking home treatment enjoy a very comfortable state of health without going to the Institute. But what can our poor, feeble brethren or sisters do to recover health? They may do something, but poverty drives them to labor beyond what they are really able. 
They have not even all the comforts of life. And as for conveniences in house room, furniture, means of taking baths and arrangements for good ventilation, they simply do not have them. Perhaps their only room is occupied by a cook stove winter and summer. And it may be all it may be that all the books they have in the house, except the Bible, could be held between the thumb and the finger. They have no money to buy books that they may read and learn how to live. And these dear brethren are the very ones who need help. Many of them are humble Christians. They may have faults, and some of these may reach far back and be the cause of their present poverty and misery. And yet they may be living up to duty better than we who have the means to improve our own conditions and that of others. These must be patiently taught and cheerfully helped. She says, but they must be willing and anxious to be taught. They must cherish a spirit of gratitude to God and their brethren for the help they receive. And such persons generally have no just ideas of the real expense of treatment, board, room, fuel, etc. at a health institute. They do not realize the magnitude of the great work of present truth and reform and the many calls for the liberalities of our people. So basically, they, they are sometimes the poor are not even aware of the cost of health treatment and health care. Um, but it says that um, they also may not feel the force of the frightful fact that a majority of the wealthy ones are holding on to their riches and are in the sure road to perdition. Uh. Um and then says these poor afflicted persons should be taught that when they murmur at their lot and against the wealthy on account of their covetousness, they commit a great sin in the sight of heaven. They should first understand that their sickness and poverty or misfortunes most generally caused by their own sins, foolishness, and wrongs. And if the Lord puts it into the hearts and minds of his people to help them, it should inspire in them feelings of humble gratitude to God and his people. They should do all in their power to help themselves. If they have relatives who can and will defray their expenses at the institute, these should have the privilege. So basically, the poor should not have such pride that they don't want help, nor should they talk about the rich um, who, who um, have the money. And it says, don't murmur, don't murmur and complain about them. But allow, uh, if they have relatives that can help them, allow their relatives to help them. And um, she said that when they, when many of the poor do go to the health institutes, um, she says that they should go there with the idea of obtaining as fast and as far as possible a practical knowledge of what they must do and what they must not do to recover health, to live healthfully. Um, you know what's interesting? When we go out for the um, homeless ministry, and I don't know exactly which ones, but I know that when we go like down to some of the sites, we see a lot of needles along the way, along the road, along the way. And it, 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 it causes me to think and believe that a lot of the people that are homeless in some of those areas are on drugs. And so that that part of the reason for their homelessness is the drugs they're on and that they would they would rather shoot drugs in their veins than have a suitable place to live. Because they're they're whatever money they are getting, they're they're using it 
for their addictions. And that's very disheartening to me that, you know, you'd rather sleep on a cold ground outside because the addiction has such a strong hold on you, you know? But um, she's saying that that when the poor go to these institutes and if, when there is money to treat them, that, you know, they should, they should go with the learning attitude to learn as fast as possible what they need to do to regain their health. And they must be willing to do it. And uh, I know when we went, one of the times that we went to help the homeless, we saw a guy that we had ministered to about 10 years ago. And he was still homeless. And he was still under the uh, attack and addictions of Satan. And that was that was unfortunate because in 10 years he had not gained any victory over his addictions. And that was very unfortunate to us that that you know th that his addictions were so strong that in 10 years he had he was still in the same situation. Um it says that the poor should realize, let's see, it says that the poor may find some relief during a few weeks spent at the Institute, but will realize more at home in carrying out the same principles. And they must not rely on the physicians to cure them in a few weeks, but they must learn to live as to give nature a chance to work a cure. This may commence during a few weeks stay at the Institute, and yet it may require years to complete the work by correct habits at home. And I think that's really crucial that um, people have to learn how to be healthy, healthier. They have to unlearn old habits. They have to unlearn um, and break old patterns uh, uh, of living and ways of living and ways of eating and uh, ways of being. And um, that takes power of the Lord to do that. Um, any comments on what we read so far? Okay. All right. Um, she says, and I'm going to skip down to the last paragraph. She says that to the afflicted among our people, I wish to say, be not discouraged. God has not forsaken his people and his cause. Make known your state of health and your ability to meet the expenses of a stay at the Institute to the physicians addressing Health Institute, Battle Creek, Michigan. Are you diseased, running down, feeble? Then do not delay till your case is hopeless. She's telling people to write immediately. But I must say again to the poor, at present, but little can be done to help you on account of the capital already raised being invested in material buildings. Do all you possibly can for yourselves and others will help you some. So at that time, like I said, they were just now building up the health institute and building the buildings. And so they didn't have a lot to help people come to the institute and pay for their care there. They were still actually building the facility itself. 
And so she was saying to the poor, do what you can. Um, and, 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 you know, bring what money you can gather, garner and gather what money you can from your relatives, your friends, uh, or whoever. And, um, she said, others will help you a little bit, but do all, she said, do all you possibly can for yourselves um, to basically raise the money and to begin your journey back towards good health. And you Any know, Karen, that reminds me that, you know, it is so important for us to have our own hospitals because I can't remember when I had to be in a hospital, a Christian East Hospital, and they didn't have anybody that knew about even preparing vegetarian food. And so mm-hmm. I know Phyllis, uh, uh, Phyllis had her husband drop her off and she brought, you know, me some vegetarian food up there. And then the, 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 the uh, chef they had in the kitchen, when the lady put, uh, had me check off and I just checked off the vegetables and he thought they were playing. So when I got my plate of food, I lifted up the plate and there was nothing on it. And I was like, excuse me. And the nurse came back and she said, no, he didn't. She said, you don't have nothing on your plate. And so he did come back up 45 minutes later. and He brought me a plate of vegetables. He said, I thought them nurses, and he was still, you know, naming them. He said, they always kidding with me. He said, I didn't know you really just checked off vegetables. But it was funny because even I laughed, but I was like, I lifted up that plate and I was so, I mean, that lid, and I was so hungry and oh, I didn't see nothing. Hmm. But it it just goes to show us that, you know, they don't have anybody that can key in on what our dietary needs are. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's why that is why it is important that we have Adventist Health Health um, Institutes. Yeah, I was reading. Google said it's 52 hospitals in the United States that serve 6.7 million patients annually. Say that again, Tina. There are 52 hospitals in nine states that serve 6.7 million people annually. Okay. It's the 15th largest in the country. And in Florida, it's the second largest in Florida, network in Florida. Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, maybe you can pull up the list of them and share it with us next week. Yeah. Okay. Um, next week, we're going to be, and since Lee was not able to come on, we, were, we are going to be um, um, in his book um, dealing with the 28 fundamental beliefs. We had started on the first belief last week. I don't know if he's going to continue on that one or if he's going to go to the second fundamental belief next week. And since he's not here, I don't want to speak for him, but I'm just kind of letting you know where we were last week. Um, and if Alvina, if since you, I didn't see you there today, so he has your booklet, Alvina. Okay. Um, so you can get it from him if you're yeah. going to be at church um, this coming Sabbath. Okay. Um, and um, so that's what we'll be studying uh, for his class. Um, any other comments or questions? 
I'm just learning so much. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, well, let's go ahead and close out with a word of prayer. Um, Alvina, you mind giving us our closing prayer? Yes. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for waking us and keeping us, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to learn new things, Lord. And may we think about what we have learned and uh, put it in our heart to give to the health ministries, the Adventists. Lord, uh, please forgive us for our sins. Help us in this coming week, Lord, in our families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, everybody. Uh, we will see you next week. Um, and uh, as I said, we will be uh, Lee will be teaching next week and we will be studying the 28 fundamental beliefs. Now, next week, I think also, let me just check the calendar. Um, Andre, are we off? I'm not hearing from her. Let me see. He's not answering. Um, next week, we are going out with the homeless. So we'll probably have a shortened version of the class. We only do about a half hour of the class. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought I turned it off. Let me check one more. I think we're off. Okay. Anyway, um, we usually do only a half hour for the class when we're going out to help the homeless. So we would be on from 2.30 to 3. Okay, everybody? Yeah. Right. Yes. Patsy? Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was on mute. Do you know uh, when you guys may be having the Wednesday prayer in the building again? Um. I'm from what I understand, the pastor wants to start doing a combined Zoom prayer service with oh, okay. and with Lighthouse and, and, and Top together. Oh, okay. So uh, so we didn't meet that goal from last year. No. How far would we? Apparently we're Excuse me. <coughs> so let's talk about that later, Alvina, because Andre wasn't able to take us off live. Yeah, um, oh, okay. All but, right. Um, so, so I think by the end of this month, going into February, we'll be doing a live Zoom prayer service. And then I think he eventually wants to get back in the building, but because he's combining the prayer service, he's not going to make mm -hmm. them. He's not going to make them come to top. Um, That's right. So okay. I just okay. thought I'd ask. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Have a happy Sabbath. Bye. All right. You too. You all too. Bye. All right. Okay. Bye. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye.